0: Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. The privacy watchdog for Canada says that uh, they're going to take Facebook to court to enforce privacy laws. Can you do this? And if you can, why wasn't it done much earlier? Let's bring in Marvin Ryder, business professor at the Groot School of Business, McMaster University. He's with us now. Marvin, thank you as always. Much appreciated. Glad to be here. How significant is this case? Is this lip service or can they actually do something here?
1: Mm, Lots enrolled in. So let's First, give people some context, this is the story from 2016. Mm -hmm. This is the Facebook breach in which uh, a company called Cambridge Analytica got data on nearly 87 million people around the world. Now, their primary interest was 50 million Facebook users in the United States, and you might remember that is the data they used to then develop some micro-marketing techniques to really help Donald Trump get elected. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Excuse me. While it's 50 million in the United States... It was 600,000 people in Canada who also had their data taken. Doesn't We don't know what they were planning to do with it, and if they did anything with it, we may have just been collateral damage along the way. Mark Zuckerberg appeared in front of Congress and answered questions for there. He went to Europe. He answered questions for the European Union. But in fairness, when it came to Canada, Facebook, uh, well, it just didn't seem to care about us mm. as much as it did those other two markets. So this is a result of a joint investigation by the province of British Columbia, as well as the federal privacy watchdog. They studied this situation in 2016. And your first question, why has it taken so long? Well, they were trying to negotiate with Facebook and say, look, we don't need to take you to court. If you can just amend your policies, here are some thoughts we have about what you could do. For instance, uh, one of the problems with the whole Facebook situation was that they didn't seek people's permission to grant them access to some of this data. So if you would install this, if you would do that, if you would do this. And Facebook, uh, amazingly just turned a kind of a deaf ear to the request from the federal watchdog and said, yeah, well, we're doing some things in the States. We're doing some things for Europe. That should keep you folks happy. Stop bothering us. And they more or less ignored Canadian concerns. So, again, being typically Canadian, we've tried again and we tried again and tried to come up with a nice negotiated settlement, because after all, who wants to go to court if we can avoid it? And lo and behold, we've just been ignored enough. So uh, the privacy watchdog has said, all right, they're not listening to us. They're not playing nice anymore. We're going to try to get their attention by taking them to court. So far, the response from Facebook has been, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. You know, uh, uh, we think we've done enough. What are you talking about here? But I think the court case will be heard, and also oddly enough, this is the same week that we're doing this in Canada that Facebook announced that it was setting aside Now, wait for this number: five billion dollars, five with a B, billion dollars for fines they think that the federal communications people are going to right. levy against them in the United States for this exact same breach. Well, if you're building a war chest. For problems in the United States, maybe you should be thinking about Canada as well, and yet they've got two quite different responses. It's it's almost as if we're not worth listening to.
0: So where will this case go? What will happen? Well, it goes
1: to what's called federal court, so uh, you'll have lawyers from both sides. They'll they'll call them. This will take a year or two to play out, and I guarantee you the Facebook lawyers will always be requesting extensions, and they need more time Mm -hmm. to assemble their case, because look, we're arguing this in front of the U.S. Supreme Court, and we're doing this over here. So it will take a while, and then that really gets to your question. Are we able to really bring a company like Facebook to its knees I think the answer to that is no, we're probably not going to bring it to his knees. But what we're trying to say to them is you can't take a country, a smaller country like Canada, at least in terms of population, you can't take our concerns less seriously. Privacy is an important issue, and it's just going to get more so as more and more and more of us spend more and more time online. I certainly know uh, my students who are uh, rabid users of technology, whether it's smartphones or tablets or mm-hmm. computers, it's almost as if they've got a chip embedded in their brain now that uh, happened <laughs> when they were born. Uh,
0: no, the I, chip is just the size of a phone, and it's been, it's been grafted <laughs> to their hand.
1: <laughs> grafted to their hands, uh, but, but, you know, I don't think they spend nearly enough time thinking about their their digital footprint, so to speak. You know, we've had stories in the last little while of, of people who uh, uh, publish something ten years ago on Twitter, and then it comes back to haunt them and they lose jobs. Imagine that we do the same thing. If I was a candidate for office, remember the the governor of Virginia, and he took an unfortunate photo when he was in his 20s. He's now in his 50s, and people are calling for him to resign because it's all he needed 30 years ago. Think about your social media posts. Think about your tweets at age 20. Are you really thinking 30 years in the future This stuff has such a long life, and we're just not not thinking about it enough. So I'm glad the privacy commissioner is trying to get Facebook to heal, but how much we'll get out of this, I I don't really know.
0: And at the end of the day, if uh, uh, the New Zealand gunman who decided to mount a camera on him and then shoot everybody, well, uh, I guess, what, 17 or 13 minutes of it was broadcast live on Facebook, if that doesn't make a dent, what will? I well, mean, if governments don't react to that and say, hey, you clean it up or we're shutting you down, what will?
1: Yes. Well, a couple of things on that. Let's uh, do with the last part for shutting you down. I do think it's interesting that both the B.C. Department, who's bringing in these charges, along with the Federal Privacy Commissioner, announced that they were also shutting down their Facebook accounts. And their advice to anybody else is until they fix these privacy breaches, shut down your Facebook account. You're leaving yourself vulnerable. Hmm. I haven't seen a large number of people (laughs) respond to that, but at least they they aren't, you know, being too faced about this. They're not keeping the Facebook account while still taking them to court. But to your question, I I don't know what it would take. You know, we we love to complain about things as human beings, but when we call upon you to take individual action, whether it's to fix climate change or privacy concerns or what have you, we, we seem to respond much less quickly than we think other people should respond. Get them first. We'll catch up to you later. Don't worry about us. Get those big guys first. And yet, the the whole problem exists because none of us are taking this issue serious enough.
0: Uh, when does this become bad PR for Facebook? Uh, when does the public speak up and say, "Yeah, we got a problem with this"? And, and again, with, with with things like we've seen already not seeming to uh, affect anybody. I mean, is there anything this company can do? that will discredit them in any way.
1: Mm -hmm. So, Scott, 14 months ago, Mark Zuckerberg testified in front of Congress, and I think everyone who listened thought he did a bad job. He, He seemed to be evading some questions. He didn't seem to have the kind of answers. And I can remember at the time... Uh, a nice journalist called me and said, well, do you think Facebook has been damaged? And sure enough, for a month or two, they didn't seem to be getting any more users. The advertising revenue was flat. And it was an interesting question whether, whether they had been mortally wounded. But here we are 14 months later, and this week Facebook uh, announced their quarterly results. Uh, today there are 2.4 billion, again with a B, billion, Facebook accounts out there there are 7.5 million billion people that means one in 3 of us have a Facebook account until those start numbers start to go in the opposite direction and as a result they start to earn less advertising revenue that's when they're going to really notice it as the old story goes when they get hit in the pocketbook but for the moment the world still seems to merrily open Facebook accounts we still seem to be clicking on advertising dollars and although we are concerned is not translating into our action. Our actions speak louder than any of our angry words.
0: Uh, is it could it be that this is an impossible thing for Facebook to ma- to manage? It's just become so big, it's bigger than Facebook and they can't get a handle on it.
1: Uh, so, again, let me try that question slightly differently. This this whole question of data security in an online world is huge. It is bigger than Facebook. It is bigger than a bank or it is bigger than a credit card company. Uh, you know, How is data stored? How are we using it? What are we trying to do with it? And there are so many people with access to so much data, some of them doing nefarious things with it, some of them doing really good things with it. Uh, I just don't know how we as society process it. This is a great example of being able to release something into the environment, in this case a piece of technology, without really having complete understanding of how it's changing us. And we're watching it live. It could very well uh, have its own, so its own downfall uh, inside of it. Hmm. But for the moment, we seem to like the benefits, and we're willing to pay whatever price it is to get those benefits. In other words, uh, I like the idea on my Facebook account that I'm not bombarded with all kinds of ads that don't interest me, somehow Facebook has an algorithm to make sure that the ads I see are things that would interest me. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that concern you, though, what they know about you, that they can pinpoint your interest Mm -hmm. that precisely? And if they have that access, who else has that access, and what are they trying to do with it? So uh, I'll just say in my case, Scott, as having a little bit of public profile, I'm very careful about the kinds of things I put on Facebook Um, I I wish more people would think twice about those things rather than living their life on that media. I I don't mind living a bit of my life. I don't mind exposing a bit of myself. But I'm very careful. I don't, for instance, announce all my travel plans Mm. so that anyone can
0: have access to them. So, as you mentioned, this problem is only going to get bigger. Will it get to a point where we will care?
1: Uh you know you use the example of the of the fellow who had the live broadcast as he went on a murder spree and and it, should that be the wake up call? I don't know what could be the wake up call for us except when it happens to you individually. in other words, yeah. when your data is breached in some way, then that causes you to rethink. But for most of us, all it does is cause us to change our passwords and maybe make them a bit more secure. no longer is it one, two, three, four. I got that figured out. It's 4321 now. Ha ha! It'll take them a little longer to break my super secure password. Other than doing that, even when we have a data breach, and I'll, I'll get say to you, I have been hacked twice. Just recently on my Aeroplan account, I was congratulated for booking a flight from Tanzania to Ethiopia <laughs> and then from Ethiopia to Shanghai, which of course I didn't book at all. Um, but I, I was even amazed when the company, I contacted the company, I did get my points back. But they didn't shut down my account. All they did was have me change my password to the account. I said, do you think that's going to make it secure enough? Oh, yes, yes, everything will be fine now. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure. And so even when it happens to you, what we tend to do is the barest minimum response to the security concern rather than something bigger and more dramatic.
0: So did you find the student who took the trip?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what was interesting on that, just a quick note, the trip was going to be over two days. Uh, the first part of the trip happened while I was calling them, so in theory the plane could have been met by somebody. But the next flight, the one from uh, Ethiopia to Shanghai, was the next day. So for sure, if there really was somebody who was trying to use the ticket, they should have been easily found. But they don't tell you that. Again, mm. that's another part of privacy concerns. I don't know what happens.
0: Uh, so is this a turning point for Facebook in any way? What's the impact of of all of this?
1: You know, honestly, I think for them it's noise. Uh, I I think they set aside some money to deal with these kinds of lawsuits and they they pay them lip service. What's the minimum we have to do to make this go away? Oh, is it $600 million? Fine. Let me cut you a check and get on to my business as it is. I, I don't think, unfortunately, that Canada is big enough to make a big dent. I had wondered if we might join forces with the Americans and with the Europeans, and then suddenly, if you had a more global initiative against Facebook, but um, the Americans, again, you know, under Donald Trump, this would mean attacking a flagship company, a company that's responsible for a lot of the uh, the growth we've seen on the stock exchanges in the last year and a half, Donald Trump is not likely to be the president who's going to call Facebook to task. So we're that lone voice in the wilderness at the moment. We'll get some satisfaction, but I don't think this is going to change Facebook's attitude hardly at all.
0: Do you think, you know, we we're, we were talking about the event in New Zealand and in, in the fact that the shooter uh, broadcast this live or streamed this live over over Facebook. Do, you know this company is 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 mammoth. It's 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 so much into our lives now. Do you think there could be one event like this that where people just go, that's it. I'm out. You talked about it whether it personally involved you. But do you think there could be something that's that's part of a, a bigger event where all of a sudden this just it resonates with people?
1: Yeah, I I never like to say never. There could be something, although I can't imagine what it would be at this point. I, I think Facebook also has a situation in technology that I call the Law of Unintended Consequences, I I put some technology out there, for instance, here at McMaster, when we stopped doing paper application forms and went to online application forms, we had a sense of how people would use these things. They would enter their password, they would choose their courses, boom, it's done that way, no paper is harmed. What we didn't suspect was that parents sometimes open their children's mail, would get access to the password, and then would enroll the students for the students. So no longer is it some, let's say, bird course, but now it's advanced quantum mechanics three and uh, triple integrals four and the student would then have to go back in and change this we didn't, we didn't think that, and, or likewise, you know, we all love the idea of online banking, but if I accidentally send the hydro company $10,000 rather than $1,000 or $100, it's my fault. I can't blame the bank now. I have to take ownership. Well, a lot of people don't like that. I'd, I want the convenience, but I don't want the responsibility. This is what I mean by the law of unintended consequences, and I think the example in, in New Zealand, uh Facebook, when they allowed live streaming or live broadcasting, thought people would stream a grandchild's birthday party Mm. so their grandparents could watch it someplace, or maybe a surprise party for a newly engaged couple. It never crossed their mind that, that someone who, and I'm going to use this term, might be a little deranged would would broadcast a live murder spree now they say they have fixed that they have tried to find a way to block that so they're reacting to the change but i think that's all that we can ask them to do sometimes these technologies are so big these unintended consequences we can only react to them once they happen Hopefully they fix that, but I guarantee you somebody else will figure out a way to use these technologies nefariously, and we'll always be reacting to them as we go.
0: The case uh, of the New Zealand shooter was certainly not the first person to do this. This is perhaps just the the, the 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 case with the highest profile. What happens if this happens again? And 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 you know the event is bigger. Uh, there's well, Look at the situation that happened in Sri Lanka, for example. What happens if, if every one of those bombers decided to have a, uh, a camera on and prior to uh, igniting themselves, this, this video goes live? I, I mean, where does this stop and, and do they have a way to prevent this from happening again?
1: Yeah, and so uh, those, those are great questions. With 2.3, 2.4 billion users, I don't know how you track each, every individual account to make sure each individual person is uh, behaving correctly. Uh, Other than simply not allowing live streaming or having some sort of a tape delay that the stream can happen, but it's delayed by 30 seconds, so some algorithm can check to see what it is you're doing, and even when you do that, how is it going to pick up, how is it going to know what's in that video stream? Uh, But I can say it to you in a different way. There was a time, uh, you might vaguely remember this, about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, where the big social media streaming service was called MySpace. And everybody had to have a MySpace account, and it seemed to be growing gangbusters, and no one could predict it failing, and today, of course, hardly anybody has a MySpace account, and it's so small, in fact, that I think Justin Timberlake, the musician, bought it for $8 million a few years ago, and he's trying to turn it into a music streaming thing. What goes from zero to 2.4 billion users in a 10 or 15 year period can go from 2.4 billion back to zero in a 10 to 15 million year. There could be some kind of a turning point that would cause us all to go somewhere else. It is more likely to be an alternative platform that puts in these kinds of securities and avoids these kinds of issues. I know with my students at the university, the platform that is much more popular than Facebook now is called Instagram. And that's partly because our our students are less interested in typing things and using words to communicate. They seem to prefer using pictures. And Instagram is more picture-friendly. But get this. Instagram is owned by Facebook, so they don't care which way you go. They think they've got it figured out. But, yes, something could happen that would cause us to move, but I think all we'd wind up doing is moving to the next platform rather than moving offline, which is really the best way to solve these problems.
0: Uh, Totally off-topic, but sort of similar. Uh, Reading an article this morning in regard to plagiarism and students who are purchasing essays, assignments, etc., online, there is no law... Uh, in Canada at this point that stops these companies from doing so. How big a problem is this?
1: Um, It's not a huge problem at the university. I I would say the case of fraudulent uh, cases like this is less than 1% of the student population. And almost always it's tied to some amount of desperation. A student who ran short of time, they're trying to maybe balance some career activities, earning money at a job. Maybe there's some home life problems, a single mom or dad who's trying to keep things going, relying on the kids. Maybe there's a long commute. They're commuting in from some other place. Uh, But I have certainly seen this with students as well. It's interesting uh, in, in my... My situation here at the university, I've never had someone uh, buy wholesale an essay and use it just as it is. Instead, they've clipped out parts of it. And when I say to them that's academic dishonesty, they quite disagree with me. They said, look, I didn't give you the whole essay. I I was I was the one who chose. I chose the content. I thought that was a good paragraph I well, put in that paragraph. Well that's
0: That's what that's what the argument was for all of this is that the, the idea isn't you're supposed to you're not supposed to just cut and paste your name and send it in. You're supposed to take it and rewrite it in your own words. But you know, if you took a giant essay and just did it all in your own words, is not not the same thing?
1: It sure is. It sure is. And and so, you know, where do you draw the line? And I'm not sure any of us have a a sieve or a way to screen this effectively to make sure it doesn't happen. But what we've seen is as the cost of education has gone up, certainly at universities and colleges, the the need to then work part-time outside of the class has gone up. Some of my students, frankly, work nearly full-time hours as well as trying to go to school full-time. Something's got to give. It's either the quality of the work... Or they trying to find shortcuts? Now, how do we respond as university professors? I try to assign cases that are brand new or aren't used anyplace else or something that you can't buy online. Hmm. But that requires effort on my part. Not every professor is in that boat. And if I use something from Harvard or I use something from our neighbors at Ivy... There's a much bigger chance people can buy something online. So both sides of this, and then I hate to say this, it starts to become a game. You know, how do I game it to make sure the students yeah. can't do this? Then the students try to game it to make sure I can't detect it. And are we really learning? So uh, there are other ways to try to evaluate students, and I think that's our challenge in this um, technology-driven age, is have we found the right way? And, and it's not multiple-choice exams. We've got to find other ways to, to test their knowledge and engagement in these classes.
0: Marvin Reiters, with us, business professor at the Groot School of Business, McMaster, uh, McMaster University. Marvin, as always, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Glad to be here. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900-CHML.